Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here today. My name is Dennis Stewart, and this is the Father's House. And this morning, we're going to be talking about this question. Can great faith lead to complacency? Boy, I would have said no, and then things happen that make me wonder. And so I'd like to just approach this subject as honestly as I possibly can, talk about my, myself mostly, and I'll talk about each of you every now and then, but, <laughs> but myself mostly. And then you can apply to yourself whatever you think is appropriate. Um, but have you ever uh, just prayed for something and just knew that you were going to get the positive result that you had been believing for, and then it not happen? Anybody? No? Okay. Well, thank you for coming. And Fabian will be here next week. <laughs> no, it's happened to all of us, hasn't it? And, and it can be a discouragement. And depending on what it is, it can even kind of shake our timbers, rattle our cage, or shake our foundations. And I kind of, I, I want to go back to basics today because... Uh, <clears throat> to use an old sports analogy, when you're not hitting the ball, it's time to go back to the batting cage and review all of the basics and get yourself back. I, I wish that it happened for that way for golf. <laughs> yes, in my case, it doesn't seem to happen like that. Um, but we say to ourselves, you know, it's going to be all right. I've prayed about it, and, and God has heard me. And so my job now is to be confident, not to worry about it, and to know that God is going to answer the prayer. We, you know, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Have you ever heard that? And, and he promised that he would answer our prayers. And so... We take this confidence with us, and then if what we wanted doesn't happen, it can shake us sometimes. And that's what I want to talk about today, is, is that, that disappointment. Um, God's not going to let this happen. I know it for sure, and then it happens. That's what I wanted to talk about today. Looking back on it, I always wonder, was I so confident I was demonstrating great faith and stopped praying about it because I had faith. Was I exercising great faith or was I becoming complacent? That's in my review. That's the question I keep asking myself. I don't know if you do or not. I do. What have I done? I know he's not making mistakes. What have I done that, sh that I could have done better or differently or uh, had had more of and so some of the questions I asked myself during these times really concern me and and um, especially ones that that uh, I realize I haven't asked myself often enough such as um, when things go wrong I need to check out my spiritual temperature how am I spiritually? Was I fooling myself or was I listening to God when I was being so confident? What is it that put this confidence in my heart and what I thought was in my spirit and then it didn't happen? Um, I need to evaluate where I am and, and um, where I am in Christ and compare that to where I think I should be in Christ. And when I say that, I mean after some spiritual evaluation where I think I should be in Christ, how does that compare to where I really am? And they, these are the questions that I ask myself. And I'll get to one big disappointment here in a few minutes that, that really prompted this teaching today. Um, 
you know, I know that we should be constantly progressing. That's what I ask, uh, I remind myself during these times. And then I say, have I? Have I? Uh, I also uh, say to myself that I, I know that I need to continually go deeper in him and be more f focused on serving God than having God service me. Have I? Have I? Um, but the thought that things were going just fine, that's what bothered me. What happened? I thought it was going just fine, it was going to work and didn't. What happened and why? Is this my fault or does God want me to go through this thing that I was trying to avoid? Is there some reason why he wants me to go through it, to live through it, rather than to skirt around it, so to speak? Now has anyone had this issue? Okay. One more <laughs> person. <laughs> the rest of you can eat donuts. <laughs> How many, how many feel the same way? They just didn't want to raise their hand. Okay, now we've got more people responding. Thank you. Tammy's going to tabulate the results and give you a written report at the end of class. Well, here's one answer. <coughs> you remember Isaac Newton? His first law of motion states that an object in motion tends to remain in motion and an object at rest tends to remain at rest. This law also applies to people. It does. <laughs> um, it, and especially to people who are supposed to have a prayer life. While some are naturally given to complete projects, other people are what are called apathetic. In other words, um, they are people who need to be charged with enthusiasm before they're moved to do something about it. No enthusiasm, no worky. <coughs> Apathetic. So, do we need more enthusiasm when we pray? Does complacency lead to a lifestyle for some and it, it becomes a temptation because we pray about it, we believe it, and we don't pray about it anymore. There's got to be a balance in our life. Where is that balance? That's what I'm asking. What, where is the place where God wants us to be in this area? But the Bible is clear that because the Lord ordained work for man, laziness is sin. Whether it's laziness in our physical movements, our bodies, our work, our career, or laziness in our prayer life, our spiritual life. We must stay in motion or we will go out of motion and stay there. We must constantly be moving, be going forward. Um, in the Psalms, or excuse me, in the Proverbs, it is written in, in chapter 6, verses 6 to 11, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that tra traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Hmm. An armed man, meaning uh, a man who is, is armed physically, and he wants something, and he's about to go take it. And your want is that kind of want. <clears throat> well, we can't have complacency. Not only do we, not, do we know that spiritually, but the world knows that as well. Um, here are some quotes. Even successful people of this world in all walks of life seem to 
agree that complacency is unacceptable. Jimmy Carter, of all people, wrote, I have to, I, I hate to see complacency prevail in our lives when it's so directly contrary to the teachings of Christ. Wow. Yeah, he did say that. Jack Nicholas. Complacency is a continuous struggle that we all have to fight. I don't know if you remember this fellow or not, Reverend Aidan Wilson Towser. Probably have read some of his things. He said, uh, complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. The contented soul is the stagnant soul. I like that one. So thinking about that, I, I reviewed, you know, as a child, I, I'll have to admit that like a lot of children, I was guilty of asking for something that I really wanted and then asking again and asking again <laughs> and asking again because I really wanted it. And I'm sure my parents got tired of me asking. And looking back on it, 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 it may have been close to begging and there's other times when if I did get what I was asking for that I wasn't appreciative enough I just went off and played with it or doing whatever I wanted it for I thought you know I don't think God appreciates that we can ask for the same thing too many times and he starts to evaluate our faith doesn't he and we should begin to evaluate our faith so I'm old enough now that I, look, I can look at it from the other side too and as a parent I did not like to have my child asking for the same thing over and over and over and over got tired of it I really did and if they got it then if they didn't have enough gratitude I didn't appreciate that either and I know that God has those same emotions as well so the big question becomes, so how do we maintain the proper balance between asking but not asking repeatedly to the point of begging when we pray, believing to the point we are expecting and at the same time not neglecting to pray about it to the point where we wouldn't seem important, where it wouldn't seem important enough any longer. How many petitions are too many petitions in prayer and how many petitions are not enough? It's a balancing act. It's, it's something, it, I don't know. Fabian will be teaching next week. Maybe he knows. Ask him. How many is too many and how many is the right amount? Um. I do know this, I cannot allow the events of the day to distort or change what I believe. That's what I know. Um, I can't, they can't distort me in any way. Sometimes it's good to simply go back and review the basics, as I was talking about earlier. Just, just review the basics. Get back to where we need to be that way. The uh, election in November shook my timbers and um, thoughts raced through my head, through my mind, my heart, my spirit. Okay, you prayed that he would have more votes and he did, but look what happened anyway. <laughs> you didn't pray right. Well, God doesn't, <laughs> God doesn't uh, rest all of his uh, strength and power on those little twists of words. He doesn't. He knows our hearts. But what happens to us corporately? It happens to everybody. That's why it's corporately. Um, let's take a look at... Uh, Let's take a look at Hebrews 11, 1 through 4. 
Hebrews 11, 1 through 4. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders ordained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds are framed by the word of God, so that these things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Okay, that's a mouthful. There's so much in there. Let's take it a little bit of a time. Now, if, talking about each detail here, now faith. Well, we know that faith is complete belief in all that God has promised, that all as he is, that all he has done, he is today, and all he will do, that's God. And we need to believe that. And that is because we believe due to faith. Um, I had faith in this thing. That's why I put my coffee on it. I have faith in this pulpit. I have faith in my automobile. I have faith in, because they're substance. They're things that I can touch. They're nouns, <laughs> okay? Person, places, and things. And then this comes at us right out of the Bible. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Okay, in my mind I think, wait a minute. Faith is not, there is no substance. It's intangible. So how could faith be substance? There's no substance. <laughs> you can't see it, touch it. You think you can feel it. But the Bible says that faith is the substance. Go back and look at that word substance. It means the support or the groundwork. Faith is the foundation or the platform in which all of our spiritual belief is built upon. It's the foundation. It's the platform. And from that, everything else that is built is built. And without that, nothing goes on top. Nothing is built above that line, above that platform. So all that we are as Christians is built upon a platform of faith. And that faith is our noun. That faith is our substance. It's what we hold on to. And so it's completely a spiritual connection, isn't it? I can't touch it. We have something to touch, our Bibles and so but the foundation of who we are is faith. Well, what kind of things do we have faith in? Well, it says of things, things that are hoped for. And what do we hope for? We hope for salvation, righteousness, being Christ-like, resurrection, eternal life, all of those things you and I hope for. Okay? So the substance of things that are hoped for, hoped for. The evidence, here we go again, evidence is proof. <laughs> Makes you think of substance again, doesn't it? Where is the proof? I want to see the proof. The proof is faith itself. The evidence of things not seen. Like what? Well, the restoration of all things, things of the Spirit, things to come, the entire plan of God, all that is to come, all that is, all that has been up till now. We accept by faith because we haven't, we've read about it, we haven't seen it. For by the elders obtained a good report. Who are the elders? Well, the elders are all of those whom God has counted as worthy, beginning with Abel. It's interesting, we don't really know what happened to Adam and Eve. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But he does count Abel as worthy. So Abel, we consider the first elder. Abel was worthy. And then all the other elders. Abraham, you can name it as well as I can, all the way down, all of the patriarchs. Those are the elders. 
For by the elders ordained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Wow, that's a mouthful. What they're just talking about is the world and all that we see were actually spoken into existence. It is so hard for our finite minds to understand that at one time there was God and nothing. How do we understand that? And from God and nothing came everything else. And he spoke. Our universe, our galaxy, and all the galaxies beyond, he spoke them into existence because there was nothing they were made from. He didn't take a part here and a part there and put it together. He spoke it into existence from nothing. Can you believe that? That's hard to believe. So how do we have to believe it if we can't really understand it? We believe it by faith. And the foundation of everything that we are is faith, substance. That's the substance. Where am I going with this? So we prayed hard that God would give us a successful resolution in November's election. And now look at what's happening. And maybe this lesson is a week too soon. It is if you believe some things that are being said, some predictions, some rumors. Did we stop too soon in our prayer life regarding this matter? Did we not pray hard enough? Did we not pray enough in uh, as, as many times as we needed to? Were we sort of a case sirrah sirrah about the whole thing? Or for you Doris Day fans, whatever will be, will be about it? Or were we, were we really genuinely praying and getting hold of God for this? Only you can say as far as you're concerned. But I think corporately we, were, we really got a hold of God. And then it didn't happen. We, pray, we prayed hard. So let's look at some more basics to try to understand this. Verse 4 of Hebrews 11. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God counted him as righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. We'll get to more of that in a moment. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, uh, and was not found, because God had translated him far before his translation. He had his testimony that he pleased God. Basics. So did Abel's death mean that he did the wrong thing? Not really. <laughs> because God said he was blessed. He was, he was worthy. He did the right thing. No, his sacrifice was pleasing unto God. But doing the right thing does not mean that we will never be victims of the wrong thing. Now, how many know that for a fact? Doing the right thing does not mean that we will never be victims of the wrong thing. It happens. It does. God sacrificed to Abel's, um, excuse me, God testified to Abel's righteousness by accepting his sacrifice. It is by Abel's faith in the blood atonement that he still preaches to us today of our need for the blood atonement of Christ. And that's what is meant by that verse. And by it, he being dead, speaketh. His testimony of his belief in the blood sacrifice as a Christ type still speaks to all of us right there from the pages of the Bible. 
Verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So by faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. That being translated a devout reverence. They moved with a devout reverence to prepare the ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. First thing we notice is that God was not uh, has not said that he will answer every single pair, prayer in the positive way. He never said that. Why would we think that God would allow his righteousness and power to be subject to our grading system in the first place? After all that he has done that we've talked about just this morning, why would his power and glory be subject to our grading system? Well, it won't be. So he never said he would answer every prayer in the positive way. There are things he wants us to learn. There are things he wants us to go through. And what we're talking about now is Noah. And the hardship of, of building the ark was placed upon the righteous. The bad guys didn't build the ark. The hardship was placed upon the righteous to build that ark. It took around 55 years, somewhere in there, 54 years, give or take, to build that ark. Now that is a hard job, and the righteous did it. They built the ark in fear and reverence, believing the tragedy that was to come for over 50 years. Noah had preached repentance for 120 years. We tend to look more at the short view of things rather than the long view of things. Noah was looking at the long view, wasn't he? All of that work and 120 years of preaching repentance. And I've lived a long time and I have never read a book the Seven Keys to Effective Evangelism by Noah. <laughs> he and his family, eight people, walked, were able to go into the ark. When the children of Israel were taken off to Babylon, the righteous were taken away just as the unrighteous among them. When they came back, both groups came back, or at least they left Babylon. So the righteous and the unrighteous had the same experience. So individually, we have the same experience, some positive and some not so positive answers to our prayer. And corporately, we will go through what the righteous and the unrighteous go through. Whichever side we're on, we go through it as a corporate result of corporate sin. And when we are reclaimed, redeemed, we're taken back to the promised land, everybody did. The righteous and the unrighteous were all free from Babylon and from Egypt and from the other things that happened. When God judges a nation of people, the corporate penalties will often come upon the group Yet God will protect and bless the righteous during those experiences that must be endured by all. Is that what we're up against? Is that what is coming? That's my another question today. Is that what's coming? Second Peter 2, 4 through 6, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them to into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities to Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. 
makes me think of this country. In this country, the righteous and the unrighteous families all suffered through the same experiences of all that took place in gathering independence from Britain. For example, all the hardships there, righteous and unrighteous, corporately, had much of the same fate. The Civil War, the many Indian raids, World War One, World War Two, and all the other wars, and all the other judgments and penalties of man's sin, which are many. They're corporate penalties I'm talking about. Yet God nurtured and blessed and righteous through them all, didn't he? He took them through it. He blessed them through it. But they went through it corporately. Now, does it mean that we didn't pray hard enough? Now, does it mean that we failed in some way? I think not. I do not know what's going to happen in this country tomorrow or the next day. Rumors and predictions abound to the good and to the bad. But I, knew, I do know what we are supposed to love. I, I do know that we are supposed to love our adversaries. That's what I know. That's what I know. We are to love our adversaries. Let's look at Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You've heard it said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Ekthros, your adversaries, your enemies, your foes, is who we are supposed to love. Bless them that cause, that curse you. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on uh, the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and upon the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? Now it's interesting to me that we have, not the republicans, the publicans. <laughs> it's interesting to me that that um, it, you go to a good concordance and you'll find where, where this thought uh, is repeated in other, in other books of the Bible. But you only see this verse about the publicans who were put in the same um, group as sinners the publicans and sinners we read about in the Bible. Who mentions the publicans in this, uh, this, this part of, of, of the, our teaching on loving each other? Matthew. No one else. They're silent on the subject of the publicans. Tells me that they loved each other. There was no reason to do that. And it tells me that Matthew was very humble and talked about who he was before Christ. Uh, just something that jumps out at me as I read these things. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. I first thought I can't do any of that. I can't do it. You slap me, I'm liable to slap back. I can't do that on my own. Just can't. So how do I do it anyway if I can't do it on my own? Well, that's when I need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit threw me to do what we are commanded in verse 44. Love your enemies. 
it says in that verse. Bless them that curse you, it says. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for your persecutors. And then in verse 45 through 48, the sun and the rain are the corporate blessings that will fall upon God's, uh, from God's heaven. And so will the hard times. They fall on the just and the unjust the same. The difference is how the righteous and the unrighteous will cope with the hard times and how each will enjoy the blessings that come from the heavens in the good times. That's the difference. So how does the Holy Spirit leave, uh, live through us when our task is greater than our own personal abilities? First of all, understanding. I didn't understand why it, our prayers didn't bring the conclusion that we wanted them to. But going back to these verses reminds me of all of the things that God has done to put all of this in motion. And then he's established my faith and your faith as a foundation for all that we believe. And that everything else is built upon that solid foundation. That nothing that became a noun that nothing that became something. Faith is actually a noun. Imagine that. It's something. Can't see it, can't touch it, can't taste it, can't, you know, but there it is. It is permanent. It is a fixture. It's a foundation. And having done all of that, and done all that he's done for me and for you, How in the world could one event shake my foundation? The reason I have a foundation is because of him. The reason we have each other is because of God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And our relationship is built with him and with each other through him. That's our foundation. How can one event shake it? I don't believe that any of us can let it happen. Do you? I can't. I can't. So, how does the Holy Spirit live through us? Well, he helps us to understand it. <clears throat> There's a lot more that we're going to have to understand, by the way. I'll move on, though. The Holy Spirit stays with us for the rest of our days. That's one way he helps. Imagine that. How long is the Holy Spirit with us for the rest of our days? Paul, or, uh, the, the writers of, of the Gospels and Paul conclude their letters in such a way that it's, it's uh, really appropriate, I think, for what we're talking about today. The Holy Spirit stays with us the rest of our lives. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So he's with us. That's how he's helping. He's with us. He's going through this with us. And he will always be with us. Well, how else is he helping? Well, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He's not just with us. He dwells within us to give us comfort and direction. That's how. In uh, John chapter 14, 15 through 17. For if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you knowing, 
for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. So how do we understand all of this? By the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and who, uh, who, who gives us all the direction that we're going to need going forward. Trying to figure out what I say about understanding. Sometimes he gives us everything else we need except understanding, doesn't he? He just does. And then we <laughs> it's our job to keep going on faith. Yeah, but what about that time? Well, forget about that. Look at the big picture. Look at all that he's done. Build your house on the firm foundation of faith. And don't let a small thing shake that foundation. Number three, the Holy Spirit comforts us and helps us to comfort others during our time and their time of need. Well, not just comforting us, but helps us to comfort others. God, through the Holy Spirit, works with even within us even in the time of our weakness. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 6, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. That's paraclesis. The God of all solace and cheer and support and relief who soothes and calms us who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for our consolation, compassion, and feeling for others and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. In the end, there's no place for complacency in our Christian walk, our prayer life, or the focus of our faith. There just isn't. There isn't. And what can shake our faith? What can rattle us? What can knock us off our foundation? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But if you want to know what it's like to have your foundation shaken and what can happen, talk to somebody that's been in an earthquake. That's what happens. Everything comes down. And... Uh, our foundation is secure, but you can't touch it. It's tight, but you can't feel it. It's strong, but you can't see it. It's mobile, but you don't see any movement. And it is something that we build upon if we go deeper. How about that? Don't let one thing, anything, shake foundation after all that has happened to get us to this point. And, and believe in his protection and guidance for the future whatever it is. That's what I have this morning for you. Any comments? I was going to say that, you know, as we mature and, you know, we, our relationship does grow um, as we spend time with the Father, um, I have to say that, I mean, when I think 
of my surroundings, when I think of everything that's in my life right now, to me, the most tangible thing I have is that. And, and I know that you can't see it like you see that chair. You, you can't see it like you do see the things around you, but because of the evidence that life, what life has shown me is that the things around me are not things I can count on. And so to me, seeing something doesn't make it reliable. And, as a, and so as a, as a result, the only thing that has substance is my relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And, and spending time with Him. See, I, we talk about that, we harp on it, we speak on it all the time because I feel like if there's anything that anybody struggles with, it may be trying to find time to devote to that. And, and I know in those early days, there, were tangible, there was tangible evidence that I was spending time with the Lord. But there was still such an immaturity that I can't say that I understood it all. And so I think of people who are trying to start this walk or they're, you know, they're starting to pray or, or, or their perspective isn't like mine. You know, I, I am a pretty black and white person, so I don't, I don't, really, don't really dwell in the gray areas very much doesn't mean I don't, they don't exist and all that. But, you know, so once I make a decision, I, I, I'm pretty stuck with that, even if it's a wrong decision. <laughs> I'm a pretty stubborn person. But not everybody's that way. And so I just feel like, you know, them thinking that, that the time they spend with the Father has um, some tangible, positive outcome that they don't see immediately, so they don't know to keep investing there. Um, that's the thing I we that's why we just keep saying we, yeah. you have to pray you have to pray that's your faith talking but for me I mean just the fact that I have the Lord has afforded me whatever grace I need to continue to do this so I certainly don't feel like I've done it on my own I know that he made me a certain way so that my perspective to coming into it is a certain way we all have those parts of us our personalities and the way he made us and that's part of his plan and part of what creates our you know <laughs> our life, as it were, in our journey. But I just, I can't stress enough to people the importance of even, I mean, even getting past that you're not doing anything tangible when you're in prayer. Yeah. You haven't heard anything. He's not giving you a directive. You know, you didn't really feel his presence. I mean, that happens more often than not. Um, but to know that the dynamic that occurs is something you don't see or feel or hear or touch, but it shows up everywhere in your life the whole way. Yeah. I mean, there's just, so today, I can just say, is this person that I am today? Yeah. What you said is true, but all I can say is it's not true because it has become actually more tangible to me than the things that I see around What me. I'm hearing you say is that it's those tangible things that are stronger that are more real to you than things you can that things you can see absolutely and that that's that's what hebrews is talking about right there that's it our is. understanding and it's it's amazing how it really it really takes the journey to really understand that i mean we always understand it from the place that we're at i mean we understood that 25 years ago but i surely didn't understand what i know today <laughs> 25 years ago, but it gives us what we need. I mean, obviously the learning process yeah. is about the journey, so we are, he's always with us where we're at, and he's always speaking to us from where we're at and teaching us in that perspective. But I, I just think, because you know, back then I did have a certain confidence or a certain rely, a lot reliance I had upon you all or pastor or whatever. I don't even think of y'all anymore. I mean, in that way. I mean, to me, you're supposed to be doing what I'm doing. You're supposed to be, you know, that righteous armor and doing your part to be aligned. And so that's the way we go forward. It's not because I need Tammy to go forward personally. But I know that what I do encourages her and what she does encourages me. So that's also part of it. So I'm not saying I don't need anybody, but it's the thought process that's behind it. The, what gives me confidence? Is it that you're there? Or is it that I am with the Father, and that's it? 
It is only because I know I've been with the Father that I, I can keep going mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. And even whatever happens with the election, I mean, it's the plan of God. He's going to prevail. His plan is going to prevail. How that looks to us is what we have to accept. Yeah. And we all want the plan to be better yeah. and easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've said what I've been trying to say all morning. Thank you. Well, I mean, you're saying it. Yeah. I mean, you said it. And it's, you know, it's, and it's where we're at for sure. I mean, but I just, and I, and I feel like we probably, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I'm with you. I want it to be easier. And I know what easier would be. We think. I mean, if the rumors I hear are true, that's not going to be an easy transition nope. from Trump, Trump to Trump. It's going to be More. hell on the ground for sure. Either way, it's going to be a hard walk for us because mm -hmm. we, we're not turning back. Yeah. The page has turned, and, and where we're going is in uncharted territory for yeah. us and as a nation. And either way, it's going to be we it's know going. who's in charge. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it is an interesting time, though. It is, and, and I hope that it's helped to put things in perspective about when individual prayers are not answered well, in the way we that. would like, or and what happens when there's a corporate penalty. It affects everybody. And when there's a redemption for the society, then it affects everybody. That's right. And we're yeah. going to be carrying the load, yeah. but but those, and we're praying for those who don't even know what the load is. You know, see, they're just walking yeah. aimlessly. And I, you know, we're praying, I know I am, that the eyes and the ears are open because we know that that's the veil right now. Right now, there's just a huge veil, and mm -hmm. people can't see or hear the truth. And uh, which is a scary prospect. Would that be the, sure. the worst prospect ever? And it's, it's a process we go through because, you know, our, our, uh, our evidence is cannot be seen, and yet our evidence is much stronger than those things that can be seen. But they'll stand on. And the that's face. those are miracles of God. I know it is. I a mean, miracle. it's it's so hard to uh, explain, and yet we've, we it's so hard, easy to understand in our spirits, and we try to find simple ways to There's communicate no way it. To yeah. That's why the salvation message has to be so simple. Yeah. See, I've never been good at talking about that because I want to bring in my relationship when really all I need to get them to do initially is just to understand yeah. that simple concept, the concept. Yeah. And then bit by bit, here a little, there a and little. And the relationship yeah. comes later. But I've always had a difficult time with that because I want to tell all the other things. And really, it's just the simple message that if you accept and believe, then you know and i don't know it's it's just but still all i can say is you know to me the mo it's just such a beautiful miraculous relationship you think you've not seen miracles but your entire life is based upon miracles yeah <laughs> I mean, it's all supernatural yeah anyone else this morning <laughs> i'll, no, I'll those help you good, out dennis you no good comments laughing. good comments I, uh, for me, um, there was some, some conversation at work, and uh, it is eye-opening the position people are taking and the aggression that's coming. I just stand there in awe and go, okay. I just have been shocked over some reactions of people through things. Yeah. And, you know, just the... Yeah, yeah, and it's so... Just, uh, it's just, it's been shocking. It's been and shocking I, and disappointing. And I'm just like... And I've kind of been taken back a little bit in some things that, you know, transpired with people at work. And it's like... And then you just have to, you just have, to have your resolve. Yes. That it doesn't matter if you, you know, you know, we know what we know. And, and exactly right. And, and that's why I wanted to highlight those three verses at the end, but that he's always with us. He dwells in us. And that's wonderful. The third verse says in Corinthians, he helps us to comfort others. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what we're going to have to do. That's going to be our task. Well, it's is like to comfort others and to get them off of that aggression. Right. And it's like you, you've, I found myself thinking, Father, forgive them. Yeah. Because they don't know. And it, it's, it was to me just so shocking. And somebody who you just really thought was so close to the Lord, and it's like, well, how I just really saw the aggression and the, you know, the liberalism and the coming against you know, you Christians, you you Americans worship your flag and you wrap the flag around the cross and I'm just like Yes. Oh. <laughs> you know, which is true, I and mean, we can't worship yep. our flag. You know, we worship the Savior, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that whole that thing it just really and I just said I just kinda had to be still in my place and know that you will not be shaken. Yeah, and you know, I'm not going to get combative with you. You know, I'm just, I'm not. It doesn't have to be that way. You know? Yeah, I, I like that because <laughs> it's not our business to be combative, it's our business to comfort. Yeah, I mean, even, and my, to oldest, soothe. even my oldest son's that way. He came at me with some things and I was just like, okay. And I told Veronica, <laughs> it, it kind of shocks me that he thinks he can talk to his mother like that. I mean, I'm kind of like, wow. <laughs> Forget who I am, you know. <laughs> okay, honey, you know. I love you. You know. <laughs> but it's just, it's been an eye-opener. It really has. Going to wear a badge that says mom. Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, shoot your mother. You know. <laughs> but there's just a lot of emotion. All right, thank you. Anyone else? He's looking at me. <laughs> um. I don't want to go there, you know, because we'll be here forever. But um, we'll go back to Stacy's comments. Um, when I was a young Christian and trying to follow the Lord, I remember uh, I was a people watcher in church, and I think I know that woman, or especially women, you know, because it's easy to talk to someone who's like your mother or it could be your aunt. You know, we don't really have those heart-to-heart discussions with a man so much. But I would look and I would see someone and I think, I'm going to talk to them after church. Because, you know, they just seem to be so constant and so stable in their walk with the Lord. What is it that they're doing? So I would just have a conversation with them. And I was like, you know, evaluating them because, you know, I wanted to know what what was working, what was what's happening in their life. Well, it always boiled down to they were students of the word. They were always talking about you know, being in the Word, uh, praying, praying. And they, it wasn't so much in our day that they came to the church. Uh, they did for services, and they would come early, stay late, and pray. That's kind of how they did prayer then. But they prayed in their homes. And I, I realized that, oh, my gosh, I just need to read the Word. You know, so I'm thinking about
but I know there's been a change in someone. And I had noticed that about you, Stacy. I can't, I can't make a list. I can't give you a list of anything. But I knew that you had, um, of course, the way I would say it is you turn the corner. You just turn the corner, and you just were in this different place of the Lord, this, this different level. I just knew it. And then, um, but I wasn't sure what had happened, but I knew that you lived fairly close to the church. So I knew that you were one of those intercessors that was pretty much consistently here every day. So, you know, I I always attribute it to that. You know, I know that you were even Michael here, Ruby's here, Pastor's here, here, and I don't know who else. But uh, I know that group is here. And so I'm thinking, you know, that steadiness, that constancy I see every day, every day. Uh, but, um, I, and I don't want to talk about other people, I'll just use you since you were sharing, but I could see that something was different. When I say different, I, you know, sometimes it, it, I'm grasping for words too. I just know that things have changed, basically what I'm saying. But I just knew you were in a different place. What brought that about? But um, I can just see it. I can sense it on you. I know that. But it's interesting. You don't always feel it internally in yourself. It's not that we should go by our feelings 